Hello everyone, it's Q here. Welcome to episode 21 of the MJ Cast. Thank you for joining us. Today's record date is November 28, 2015. And today I'm joined by Jamin, of course, and we also have guest host Jacob Rathjen. Today we will be discussing so many things, I hope we can fit it all in. Here's a few that we'll be talking about shortly. Unreleased photographs of behind the scenes from the Thriller video, which have just been published by CNN. The 1987 Price of Fame version of a Pepsi commercial that was also unreleased. We're going to be saying goodbye, farewell to our fair captain, Captain EO. Some much too soon leaks have happened. We'll be talking about an update on the Hollow Sham court case and a great top 10 MJ video countdown. Also, big news this week, the 1992 Bremen Dangerous Tour concert has been leaked. All that and much more on this episode of the MJ Cast. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast. By MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's, that's one of my favorite things. <laughs> I love my fans. Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Hey, Jacob, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. And big personal thanks, finally, I can say it to you. Thank you for my catchphrase, because Jacob, of course, is the cool dude that came up with my catchphrase to counter Jamin's keep Michaeling. So mine was, Jacob, give it to us. Michael on. Rock on. <laughs> love it. Michael on. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. And I hope you see when I use it, because I use it all the time. Yeah, that's all right. Love it. It's a hashtag. <laughs> Jamin, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Had a really busy couple of days. I ran like a school disco thing last night that heaps of kids came to and I made sure to play lots of Michael. So, <laughs> And how did that go down? Yeah, it was good. It was good. I played that. What's that new song that samples ABC? Oh, the Sigala song. Yeah, we spoke about that. Yeah, Easy Love or something. Yes, yeah, love yeah. it. I played that a lot. The kids liked it. So it was a good night. It was a really good night. Anyone bust out a moonwalk? Uh, no moonwalks, but there was a lot of nutbush. Oh, really? Still? <laughs> it's 2015. I tell you what, the kids love it. They know every move to the nutbush. And well, they... it's better than Macarena. Well, they, they wanted that too. So. No. <laughs> no, not allowed. <laughs> Don't encourage it. It actually started off with like a lot of really great music, like, you know, current great hits and like, you know, like R&B songs and stuff. But then like any school disco, by the end of it, it, it kind of diluted down into the Nutbush, the Macarena. Um, you know, so once they were all drunk on Red Cordial, <laughs> yeah, it, it got messy. It got very messy. But yeah, it was a good, it was a fun night. Very tired now though, but it was fun. Really? Yeah. Because you seem so organized this morning. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot. We've had a lot of last-minute developments, hey? We sure have. It's crazy. So, yeah, I was going to get Jacob just to tell us a little bit about himself and about him being a fan. Yeah, so um, I uh, became an MJ fan uh, in 2005, which is sort of like one of the 
probably the hardest times to really become an MJ fan. The way I became one was um, I at my school we had these like primary school concerts where each year level would do a uh, uh, a piece uh, and you know show the parents or whatever for a night. And um, the year six class of two thousand five did uh, Thriller, and I don't know what happened, but I just instantly fell in love with the song. I haven't heard I hadn't heard any uh, Michael Jackson song before or like was conscious of hearing one. I had only heard the name Michael Jackson through the news, uh, so that was the only connection I made at that point. But later on, um, it was funny, in a, a year four camp, I was uh, in year four at the time and we had a camp and we had this talent show that we could do and I chose to do Thriller and so I got a bunch of my friends and we did the Thriller dance and that's pretty much how uh, it spanned off with my obsession with MJ. That's cool. Really cool story. Yeah. So what did you sort of think at the time? Like, like all you sort of knew was Thriller, but then, of course, in the news, all the headlines were horrific headlines. Like, how did that sort of equate to you? Yeah, well, I mean, a year four, so what's that age? I don't know, maybe like 10 years old? Yeah. Yeah, younger. roughly. Nine or 10, yeah. So, I don't know. You don't really understand at that time. So I got, I received an album from one of the teachers um, uh, and uh, because I enjoyed it so much and I wanted the songs uh, for that uh, camp, uh, I had all the other songs on there, so like Billie Jean, Beat It and all that stuff and I just, I couldn't get enough of it. So um, I was listening to the music more than I was paying attention to the news. So that's sort of where I, I went from there. So yeah, the music uh, trumped all the news. As it should do. Absolutely. Did you cop plenty of shit, though? <laughs> um, no, because I don't think, like, again, um, I think just that age, like, no one really, not many of my friends or classmates uh, really knew Michael Jackson just because of our age and uh, at, like, that time in uh, history, it was just like Michael Jackson was a... I guess a legend and not sort of like a like talk like talked uh, in, around the home much anymore like sadly but um uh yeah he was just like just these kids uh so I was sort of bringing them knowledge about Michael Jackson uh, more than anything else but yeah yeah I think we can we can all relate to that for sure I was at, yeah. I was actually I'm trying to remember I think I had actually finished school I'd graduated in 2003 and the news about the trial and everything just came out as soon as I finished school but I I'm geez I'm glad that that I wasn't at school during that period because it, I mean it was already kind of hard enough during that that sort of period mm. defending him with classmates and if that news had been out while I was at school it would have been a nightmare yeah. Oh my god, this makes me feel so old. I copped it for the '93 shit, and then I had finished school, obviously in 2005. So yeah, 2003 onwards. But yeah. I was working then. Oh my god, I'm so old. <sighs> I think living with Michael Jackson aired when I was in like year 12. I think it was, and then obviously it was a bit downhill after that. Yeah. It's been a bumpy ride. Definitely. You guys want to hear something embarrassing? This yes. Is, this is always. pretty bad. Did you? You guys have got a. I, I wonder if you can compare to this. You probably can. But like, did you guys ever wear any like Michael 
like trademark stuff to school like white yeah i used socks. to wear a, yes. i used to wear yeah. a black glove and everyone go what oh. happened to your hand oh really go, you did a glove <laughs> i didn't i had i had finger like i had um like uh band-aids on my fingers yes. i did that had the white socks <laughs> I, I did finger tape too <laughs> i don't know if i did finger tape at school but i at in high school in queensland i actually uh in like especially in winter i would have like one fake sort of black leathery glove and they go, have you lost a glove? I go, no. They'd always go, boy, where's my other glove? <laughs> <laughs> See, I could never find the white finger tape. So I was always using like, um, you know, like whatever the supermarket skin colored band-aids were. <laughs> oh my God. That's fun. I used to go to the hardware store and get the white, like sort of electrical tape. Oh, electrical tape. Why didn't I think yeah. of that? Oh man. <laughs> but I didn't do that at school. I, I remember doing it, but not at school, maybe just out of school going to the shops or whatever. But I do remember, oh, this is, thank, why have you brought this up, Jamin? Oh. <laughs> I used to wear white socks and black loafers with pretty much any outfit, even if it was shorts yep. or a track suit or just horrendous 90s fashion <laughs> it was like why am i look back and just i'd be wearing like this awful t-shirt and shorts and then white socks and black loafers that just did not go at all <laughs> that's great man like because i went to a private school we had to wear black long pants and like le- black leather shoes so i had no choice but to wear like 90 percent of the outfit anyway it was just a matter of adding white socks to it which i always got in trouble for but i was because... gonna say you would have gotten a little <laughs> bit in trouble ah anything for michael <laughs> well it was the, the white socks i saw on my friend um paul that that's how i made my first mj mate paul black actually yes another paul black reference another paul black reference we'll get him on one day but yeah <laughs> I, I worked at a supermarket and i saw this guy with white socks and black loafers and i'm like seriously really there's only <laughs> like certain amount of people that would do that and yeah got talking and that's sort of how i first met my first mj mate totally jacob i've got a question for you i've got to know were you like drawn when you first got into michael jackson were you drawn more to like the the dance aspect the music aspect like live performance what what was it about michael that really got you interested what aspect of his artistry good question yeah um I think it was definitely dance because just watching the kids perform Thriller, it was just, I don't know, something about that just drew me in and I just, there was something in me saying, I've got to do this. I've got to learn how to do this. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it was definitely early on, like very beginning, it was definitely dance. And then what held on, uh, what uh, kept my uh, love for it was probably the music. Um, that which like tied it up all together. Super awesome. That's cool. Well, thanks again for joining us today as our guest host. Yeah, that's all right. Honor. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Thriller, there's just been some news coming out over the last few days or so, actually, that CNN have put out and they've published some, uh, I guess, very, very rare. I wouldn't say never before seen, but definitely some very rare photographs of, of Michael Jackson. Uh, behind the scenes preparing for the thriller video clip shoot uh, and I think these photos are beautiful Jacob have you had a chance to see them I have and I love every single one of them I love the one where Michael's taking a drink from the cup <laughs> as the werewolf oh it looks so great and the photos are such high quality as well you can tell it's you know professionally shot by a by a great photographer, uh, obviously being Douglas Kirkland. 
beautiful photographs that really capture the the making of that amazing amazing short film uh q what did you think of it my favorite photo was the one where he's just getting makeup done and there's a giant ass boa constrictor on his lap oh yeah <laughs> yeah as if that's totally normal like as if that's totally normal and i'm sure the poor makeup artist isn't just like you know shitting himself because <laughs> that is a huge huge snake oh man there's so many stories out there of whether it's like makeup artists or music producers or engineers working with michael in a professional situation and he'll just be there with a chimpanzee or a snake or a llama <laughs> i'd rather a llama or a chimpanzee than a giant ass boa constrictor yeah i'm not a big fan of snakes <laughs> i like friendly snakes but any of them could be scary yeah totally so q i remember you telling me at some point that you've actually got a book um called i'm just getting it now actually yeah I'm just getting something ready so yeah because that's where i think some of these are from if you haven't got this book it's called um Michael Jackson, The Making of Thriller, Four Days, 1983, Douglas Kirkland with an introduction by Nancy Griffin. We will put a link to it in the show notes. It's a hardcover coffee table book, and the the front cover is a huge lenticular hologram of um, Michael, and then when you tilt it, turning into the zombie. Oh, that's and cool. it's really cool. I had it up on the um the sort of bookshelf in the lounge room uh, for Halloween or Thrilloween. So um, I think at least some of those photos. Oh no, here we go. Here's the bowl constrictor one. There's another one with Paul Bill Bray standing next to him, and Michael's like half done up as the uh, the werewolf, and he's got this huge ass uh, snake on his lap in his hands. So that's where I don't know why are these photos now on CNN like yesterday? Like, what is this for? Is this because of um, Google Play giving away the album for free for a week? I don't know. It's a good question. I think the whoever it's not really a full blown sort of article. The actual article on CNN is more like showcasing the book, I think. So I don't know whether Douglas Kirkland has organized with CNN to do a bit of a promotional push around the book again because the book came out in 2011. These photos have been available in the book for a long time. But for whatever reason, like they're just kind of, the photos are high quality digital versions of them, I guess, are just kind of hitting the Michael communities now and people are seeing these sort of for the first time. So I guess maybe it's more to do with the digital versions being released rather than scans of them from the book, but... Not Maybe really sure. some of the freakiest photos are about a hundred page a hundred and sixty eight. It's actually Michael removing the makeup. Oh, it is creepy as hell. It actually looks like because underneath his face is all like red from all the um, agitation from probably the glue and stuff like that, and working under hot lights for hours and hours, and this they're peeling this latex off. And it looks like literally flesh coming off his face and hanging and they're like stretching it down. It's disgusting. It's just like photos of him being skinned. It's really gross. But if you go and seriously, this book is so worth the money. The photos of him just like smiling and looking, God, how he was like, what, in his 20s here? Just awesome. Just on the set, just chilling out and in jackets and doing interviews and stuff. It's such 
a good book. There's a photo of John Landis and some other guy tipping Michael upside down. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Um, I can highly recommend this book. And it's got quotes from like uh, Beyonce, Usher, Jane Fonda. Um, there's all these quotes from people through through the whole book. Yeah, it's really a beautiful, beautiful book. It's really cool that these photos are sort of getting out there. But yeah, check out the show notes on themjcast.com. I really wish Thriller would be given sort of the credit it's due in terms of a video release. Like, it's such well, an, a, a current. It was yeah. back in the day. It was well. They got you had the making that. of Thriller on VHS. So yeah, you're right. You're right. In the day, it definitely got what it deserved. But like, okay, I'll give you an example. Like on the DVD Vision, is it Vision Visionary or whatever it's called? Vision, the yeah. proper. Yeah, the the set with all the videos on it. Yeah, so that yeah. that has like a you know just DVD quality four by three square version of Thriller. Now, I've heard that when Thriller first came out, it had like movie theater screenings of the actual you know the the film, and I'm wondering like surely in a movie theater they wouldn't have shown a square version of the video. I would I would love to know if they've got a proper widescreen filmed version of thriller that they can you know remaster and put out you know i just think that would be incredible to get it in a in a, in a really current sort of high definition form yeah that'd be pretty awesome i'm always up for uh, an updated release of any video yeah it's it's huge you know like it especially when it comes around to halloween time <laughs> yeah i don't know why there's not like a tv special every single year that they just replay yeah totally seriously i think like the music video channels like you know i think they those kind of stations play the video pretty heavily around halloween time yeah probably but like they it's like people still do watch tv and especially over like where halloween is a huge thing it just blows my mind that they haven't done some sort of tv special that they then just use every year yeah for sure thank god for youtube (laughs) Seriously, my God, makes everything so much easier. Speaking of the 1987 Pepsi commercials that Michael and, and his brothers sort of did back in that day, there's a one that was unreleased. Well, I guess the footage was released, but the version that's just come out is a different version. It uses the uh, song um, Price of Fame. Did you guys check this out? I did. What did you think? Which one do you think sort of suits best? I still enjoyed the uh, the sort of the Billie Jean uh, one, uh, sort of the earlier one. Um, but I did like the uh, the length of this commercial. I don't know if this was like uh, when they would play this, uh, but I mean, yeah, I'd go for either really. Like uh, again, I do prefer the uh, earlier one, but yeah, it's cool to have another one to watch. Jamin, how about you? Yeah, I really liked it. I think it's great to have an alternate version as well. I also love the song Price of Fame. It was one of my favorite tracks from Bad 25. So I'm really glad that it's kind of like, it's cool to know that Michael liked it enough as well when when that song was recorded to possibly use it in a commercial. The more I think of it, like I actually think it's possible that Michael may have wanted uh, that song from the get-go to have been put in the commercial because... The theme of the, the you know, the whole four-part series of whatever it's called, The Chase, 
you know, the whole theme of it is that Michael's like this megastar and that he's being, you know, hunted by the media and everything like that. So the lyrics of Price of Fame seem to match the video, I think, much more than what was eventually released and used. That's a good point. I actually view this video as possibly, you know, what Michael's vision was for it. Maybe, you never know, like maybe the record label or Pepsi or whoever, maybe they said... You know, that song that you've put in the video, even though it's thematically it matches, you know, your audience aren't going to know what that song is because it was never released. So we're going to put one of your classics in there that everybody will know. Uh, but imagine if it was the Price of Fame version that actually had been televised. We would, you know, we only just got this song a couple of years ago. So unless he then put it on an album like Dangerous or at some point released it as a, as a I'd hate saying B-side, but as like a, as a dual single somewhere, mm. we would have been forever going, well, here's this song on the Pepsi ad with Pepsi lyrics. What is this song? Can we have the original? We would have been going crazy, like frothing at the mouth for that song for, yeah. for possibly decades yes. if that actually had been put in the TV. I think it's, yeah, it's a, it's a really good song. I, I can kind of see why, like, I don't think it is as strong as some of the other songs that eventually came out on Bad, but it's it's really good. If you want to find out more, if people want to find out more about The Chase as well, I just thought I'd, I'd recommend going to um, Anthony King's website. You can go to anthony-king.com and uh, follow the blog links. But I'll, I'll put that in the show notes anyway. But if you go to Anthony King's website, he's got a great breakdown about the history of the um, four-part Pepsi commercials that Michael filmed, which are really good. They were, I think they were originally shown during 1988 while Michael was on the bad tour to kind of help promote the tour. They have some good ones. I like the, uh, the one from Dangerous Era as well. Which one's that? Dreams. Oh, Pepsi is that the one Dreams. where he's in like the desert? He sort of goes into like the whole dangerous cover craziness and yeah, it ends up in desert and there's like a truck with lights all over it and that lady with the humongous hair. Oh, that's the one where, um, I think it looks great, but that's the one where he's wearing his undies on the outside again, isn't it? He's got like, he's got like black leather. (laughs) Yeah. Like superhero. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I Great. But those photos work really well in the Dancing the Dream book. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he did a lot in that Dangerous period, didn't he? Like, that came out on the Dangerous short films. Yes, that was the best VHS. The DVD is good as well, but the DVD doesn't have the uh, Mega Mix that the VHS has. Which is... God knows why. What's the Mega Mix? I can't even remember that. Oh, well, it's been... Trust me, it's been a very long time since I've fired up a VHS player. But on the VHS, at the end of the... um, After all the videos, there's like a Mega Mix of all like michael songs it's like an official video mega mix oh i need to oh yeah actually you know i do remember that now i do remember that but it never got onto the dvd yeah yeah i've seen it on youtube i'm gonna have to find it can you can we put that in the show notes as well because i haven't seen that for so long yeah find it for me and i'll definitely put it in the show notes definitely okay i'll do my best um let's actually let's actually play a bit of that song now why don't we do that the, yeah, the Price of Fame Pepsi version. Yeah, let's do it. Cool.
Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, did you guys uh, see the lip sync battle uh, between uh, Anthony Mackie's Too Legit to Quit and Joseph Gordon Levitt's Rhythm Nation? Yes. <laughs> I thought it was oh awesome. <laughs> How good. So funny. Now, Anthony Mackie, is he like, is he Hawkeye in the Avengers? I don't know. I. Actually, the first time I've ever heard that name before. <laughs> okay, so I'm going into uh, IMBD right now. Yes, that is... Uh, so I think he's most currently known as uh, Hawkeye in The Avengers and um, Ant-Man and uh, Cap well, yeah, Captain America Winter Soldier in the upcoming um, Captain America Civil War. He's pretty cool. But yeah, so that's who he is for those of you who don't know him. He's in uh, the... Uh, million Dollar Baby, Real Steel, The Hurt Locker. So he's an actor, and he uh, rocked out some uh, MC Hammer, yeah, in Lycra and everything. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> and then, obviously, obviously, after that, you've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I adore. Oh my god, I'm so dreamy, <laughs> man, man, crush Monday. <laughs> he's so talented. My god, there is not a single thing Joseph Gordon-Levitt cannot do. Did he put uh, lipstick on for this? He was in <laughs> Janet Drag. Full makeup. And it was not Man Crush Monday. That was scary. <laughs> <laughs> it did look sc- Like, he did look odd, I will admit. But that was added to the charm of what was going on. Like, it was like, oh, it totally added to the humour of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, like, oh, my God, how well did he perform Rhythm Nation? Oh. Like I said, there's nothing this kid can't do. <laughs> I, I think Janet even tweeted. She put something out like how nailed it, or nailed something. it, yeah, something like that. And it was totally was nailed, like right down to the costuming, the dance moves, everything was perfect. I don't, I actually don't think that this performance can could ever be topped in terms of a lip sync battle. Like, it's amazing. I've seen him do lip sync battle on like uh, Jimmy Fallon and a few things before. Have you guys seen some of his other stuff? No, I haven't. This is the only one. I have, okay. yeah. Yeah, he's very good. Very good indeed. I'm just trying to find him on Twitter so we can link to that. But, of course, he started off um, back in, what was that show, Third Rock from the Sun? Yeah, that's right. He was in that. Yeah, that was a good show. And he was in an awesome movie. Did you guys ever see that sci-fi movie, Looper? Yes. <laughs> see it it's oh my god that was like my film of the year that year yeah and he and he played someone um there's another really good movie it's like a thriller like a noir sort of thriller called brick that's more of like an indie sort of low budget one but he's like recovering in that from some kind of mental issue mental problem but he's like stumbled upon this crime that he has to solve it's a really really good film so he's a great actor and he's amazing he is, and he can sing, he can dance, uh, he can play, I know he can play like the ukulele. <laughs> um, he does some terrific duets with um, Zoe Deschanel, yeah. who I also adore. She is so gorgeous and talented. So on Twitter, he is um, at hit 
Record Joe. And he, uh, so his bio is, I direct an open collaborative production company called Hit Record. Writers, filmmakers, musician, artist want to come work with me. So head to hitrecord.org. He, so I've seen some of the show of Hit Record and people like, he'll say, okay, we're doing, we're going to work on this that someone has sent in. So we need musicians to do this. We need animators to do this. We need like um, script writers to do this, this and this. So people from all around the world send in contributions. And from that he picks what they can, the best ones that they can then put the project together with. It's so innovative and awesome that he supports like talent people everywhere. And then yeah, yeah, it goes on the show and they showcase it and stuff and they do live stuff, but yeah, he's so funny and so charming and so talented and so dreamy. So check that out for a good laugh. It's not Michael related, but it's Janet related. So that's yeah. why we're talking about it. You know what I liked about it so much was it was really putting Janet Jackson in a positive light. And I think that over the last you know decade, since the whole Super Bowl nipple gate thingy incident, like she's kind of like had a really hard time in the public eye in terms of the press uh, you know, a lot of different things like that. So it was good. It was good to see her music being celebrated, and especially her Rhythm Nation, eighteen fourteen heyday era being celebrated. Yeah, it was good fun. It's good for a laugh. Yeah, check it and out. And a well-deserving winner. He deserved to win that <laughs> by a long shot. So we've just had some breaking news this morning, just before the show, just before we started recording. We found out some information. Uh, just a bit of a quick update on the uh, Vera Sarova lawsuit uh, against Sony Music uh, and Angelicson for the 2010 Michael album controversy, just specifically around those three Eddie Casio-produced songs that have infamously uh, come to be discussed in the Michael Jackson fan world, obviously for their very, very odd vocals and uh, what most people, including the entire Jackson family, many of Michael's colleagues and many of the fan community regard to be fake Michael Jackson vocals. We've had a, quite a big update on that lawsuit that's happening, and we're just going to get Charles Thompson on the line now, our legal correspondent, to discuss the latest news regarding that Vera Sarova lawsuit. Charles, are you there? Hello. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. So you're here, obviously, to give us uh, a quick update and uh, and just your thoughts around the latest development in the Vera Sarova lawsuit. A knowledgeable update, more than what <laughs> we could, Jay, and especially Jamin, could do. Oh, thanks, Hugh. But, <laughs> I haven't got the documents. Especially, Jamin. <laughs> I don't have the documents. <laughs> That's all right. I, I, you're right. I, I would do a very terrible job. So I'm really glad we can have Charles here. Uh, okay, so um, people may remember that a, uh, a lady called Vera Sarova has filed a lawsuit against uh, Sony Music Entertainment, John Branker, Eddie Cassio, James Port, MJJ Productions, Angelixon Productions, and one to 50 unnamed people over their alleged complicity in the inclusion of three fake songs on first posthumous Michael Jackson album, the 2010 release titled Michael, she believes that three songs, Breaking News, Keep Your Head Up, and Monster, were recorded by an imposter and not by Michael Jackson 
and she has filed a class action lawsuit on behalf of herself and others, I believe the lawsuit says others similarly situated, seeking compensation for having been duped by these three fake songs. So the latest update is that on November 25th, something was filed with the court, which is called a joint conference report. That presumably means that its contents, although it's been submitted by lawyers for Mr. Rover, its contents have been agreed upon by both parties. That document states that in April, both of the parties were involved in discussions with Judge John Wagner, but could not reach a settlement, and they agreed to continue mediating. Uh, the document says, quote, the party's settlement discussions have reached an impasse. Accordingly, the parties are prepared to set a case management schedule. So uh, it's interesting to learn that they have been settlement discussions at all. But what this means is that they couldn't agree on a settlement. And thus, it looks as though the case is going to trial. Now, the document states then that the defendants, namely Sony Music, John Branker, Eddie Cassio, James Port, MJJ Productions, Angelixon Productions, and the 50 unnamed people seek to impose a sanction on Ms. Sarova. Uh, they're seeking to use something called anti-slap laws, S-L-A-P-P. Now, that stands for a strategic lawsuit against public participation. Now, there is a group which is set up to oppose these kind of lawsuits. Uh, it's called the Californian Anti-Slap Project. And it says that the law itself, the strategic lawsuit against public protection law, is designed to protect parties from meritless lawsuits. However, this project says that that law is often abused in order to simply silence critics of government or corporations. Now, a party which files a slap allegation against somebody who's bringing a lawsuit claims to have suffered injury as a result of petitioning or as a result of free speech activities which are protected by the First Amendment. So what they're saying is... Yes, the person has a right to say these things. However, what they're saying is meritless and we have been damaged by these comments. So the suits are generally filed for defamation. When the suit is filed, it, it will not be filed as a slap suit. It will be filed as something else, uh, typically for defamation. So the Californian anti-slap project says that most of these lawsuits are, quote, legally meritless, but are often brought by corporations to chill public debate on specific issues. So one direct quote from the project's website says, defending a slap requires substantial money, time, and legal resources, and thus diverts attention away from the public issue. Equally important, however, a slap also sends a message to others that you too can be sued if you speak up. Now, there's another group which opposes these uh, lawsuits, these slap lawsuits. It's called the Public Participation Project, uh, and they claim to be uh, defenders of free speech in America, and their website, uh, they add further clarity on their website, their website says, Slaps take the form of a variety of lawsuits. They commonly masquerade as defamation or business interference tort suits. Slaps are used to silence and harass critics by forcing them to spend money to defend these baseless suits. Slap filers don't go to court to seek justice. Rather, slaps are intended to intimidate those who disagree with them or their activities by draining the target's financial resources. Slaps are effective because even a meritless lawsuit can take years and many thousands of dollars to defend. Uh, 
to end or prevent a slap, those who speak out on issues of public interest frequently agree to muzzle themselves, apologize, or, quote, correct their statements. So what this means is that this lawsuit will seek to silence, according to these protest groups who uh, oppose this legislation, they say that people who bring these uh, lawsuits basically seek to silence the people who are suing them. So they tie them up in a, a complicated legal problem, which although in most cases it's meritless, uh, drains their resources to the point where they can no longer afford to progress with their own lawsuit and uh, end up having to uh, silence themselves and no longer raise these issues in a public forum. So the document that was filed on November 25th says that in order to obtain the necessary evidence to fight the slap claim, Ms. Sarova will request permission to take the de depositions from the defendants and has also asked the court to order the defendants to turn over documents. Now, all of these depositions and documents will relate to a number of subjects and the subjects they will relate to are the history of the disputed tracks, including their writing, development, creation, production, editing, mixing, engineering, ownership, copyright, transfer, licensing, exploitation, publishing, release, distribution, marketing, sales, and profits. So quite a comprehensive list there. Mr. Over will also seek evidence of each defendant's role in the history of each of those aspects of the songs. She will also seek evidence in relation to whether Michael Jackson performed the lead vocal on the three tracks, each defendant's knowledge of whether Michael Jackson performed the lead vocals on those tracks, the history of each defendant's investigation into the disputed track's authenticity, Jason Malachi's role in the three tracks, and each defendant's representations and or failure to disclose information about whether Michael Jackson performed the lead vocal on the tracks. So Ms. Sarova will request 90 days to obtain this evidence, but may need additional time, according to the documents. And the documents state that the estate, Sony, and MJJ Productions have already indicated that they will oppose Ms. Sarova's request for these depositions and these documents. Wow. It's, a, in my opinion, a very, very big development and something that, like, I'm just, I'm just really glad that this is moving ahead and that it, it's disappointing, I guess, that the that this this legal I, I wouldn't really call it a loophole would you charles this anti-slap situation it's disappointing that that seems to be a roadblock in vera's uh being able to move forward with with uh with suing well i don't know that it's a loophole i mean i i can understand why a law like this would be useful uh so for instance if you have uh, a mad person who harasses somebody by filing lawsuits against them once a week then this would seem to be a very helpful piece of legislation which would help you to uh, stop them from doing that. But as the protest groups say, and I'm, I'm taking their word for it at the moment, but uh, it, it seems like an easy piece of law to abuse. Now, the, the websites actually say that these lawsuits generally fail, um, almost always fail. In most cases, they're meritless cases. Um, but... What they do, they, they don't file the slap expecting to win. They file the slap in the hope that it will cost a person that they're targeting a fortune and take up years of their time in order to prevent the original case from ever coming to court. So it's kind of a, 
a tactical move that they're taking here. I mean, it's even indicated really in the in the title of the law. The law is called the Strategic Lawsuit Against Public Participation Statute. Well, to call it strategic, you know, that 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 kind of indicates that most people do use it as a delaying tactic rather than a beneficial one. I mean, potentially it could take years to resolve this slap issue. And all the time that they're trying to resolve the slap issue, the actual lawsuit about the three tracks would not be able to come to court. No, it's definitely fascinating. So so what's your projected sort of uh, opinion about what may happen in the coming months? So the judge will obviously need to decide whether that slap lawsuit will go ahead. It, is there a chance that the judge will say, no, this is not actually relevant to this situation or...? Well, it's an interesting one because what you have here is Mr. Rover saying, how am I supposed to defend myself against this when they're refusing to give me evidence? Uh, the One of the things that she will be seeking questions about is each defendant's, quote, non-disclosures regarding whether Michael Jackson performed the lead vocals. So she's saying that there is a dearth of evidence in the public domain at the moment and so in order to uh, adequately oppose this slap attempt, which they are saying that they're going to bring, I'm going to need all of this evidence. Yeah. And so it's possible she will be able to... It would, it would, in my opinion, be unjust for a judge to simply boot this case out on a slap thing without the... Uh, well, not the defendant, in this case, the plaintiff... Well, in the slap motion, she'll be the defendant. So without the defendant being able... If if the defendant is saying, I can't even present a defense here because they won't give me any evidence, they won't give me anything, then it would seem to me to be unjust to then boot the case out mm. uh, and grant the slap. But you just never know what's going to happen in these cases. It depends on the judge, it depends on the lawyers, it depends on people's mood on the day. It just, you know, it's a real... Um, unpredictable arena the courtroom it will certainly be interesting to see which way it goes i mean if this if the slap attempt is upheld and the lawsuit is booted out on that basis then it it will merely add accelerant to the a fan community's belief that the estate and and sony are uh, orchestrating a massive cover-up here so really they're they're shooting an own goal if they win because they just look immediately like they're engaged in a cover-up. Exactly. I think if they've got nothing to hide, then they should be presenting like true evidence that these tracks are allegedly real. Mm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but at the time there were articles written which said that there was evidence that these tracks were real. It, was, it claimed that there was footage of Michael in the studio, I believe, and photographs and handwritten lyrics and other things like that. So... If that evidence existed, it's difficult to see why they don't just present it. You know, especially given that the controversy about the vocals on the album does seem to have significantly impacted the commercial success or lack thereof of the album upon its release. I mean, I remember when that album came out, within about a month it was in the bargain bin in England. <laughs> it, it was It was straight into the bargain bin. Nobody bought it. You know, compared to Escape, certainly it was a flop. I think the I seem to remember that the estate actually put out a press release at some point trying to salvage something from that album and they they claimed it was the 
the most shipped album of the year. <laughs> the most shipped <laughs> yeah, and least yeah, sold. The most, the, yeah, the most shipped. Yeah, that's why there's about 300 copies in every bargain bin in the world. Yeah, so, <laughs> that, was, that was funny. You know, but, what, um, you know what else is yeah. interesting is just a few hours ago, Eddie Cassio, obviously the, the record producer and friend of Michael Jackson, who's, who's uh, you know under fire here in this in this lawsuit has, well that's who angelicson is yeah angelicson's yeah. production company that's right yeah. so he's he's come out and done the his first major interview since that infamous oprah interview that took place with teddy riley it and, wasn't with us by the way no and he's he come, was our only person that's ever said no well he didn't he didn't say no he just didn't say yes <laughs> he there was a long time he was saying yes i'd love to come on the show but he he hasn't really got back to us for a very long time so anyway so he's done this interview i can't remember with what newspaper but it's a kind of like an all-encompassing interview that we'll put in our show notes about him working with michael and apparently writing these songs and recording these songs in 2005 during during the trial and oh geez it's it's a fascinating read but it's interesting why he would choose to do an interview so uh, such a positively and obviously biased one and release it right now just as these as these uh these court documents are being released to the public that is interesting i've not seen the interview i'd be interested to read it to see if there's any indication that the interviewer actually asked him any challenging questions he did he did the interviewer asked them challenging questions but in the interview it says that that eddie cassio refused to comment on the class action lawsuit he might not be allowed to Mm. well he may have been advised not to that wouldn't surprise me but i mean he wouldn't have had to have asked him about the lawsuit he could merely have asked him about the production of the songs i would be much more interested in hearing your interview (laughs) Well, I I will admit I've spoken to him at length about this situation and he's, well, when I have spoken to him, he's been very open and very happy to discuss the recording of the songs according to his point of view and his, you know, claims. So, look, I just think it's a case that that needs to happen and I'm glad it's happening. Uh, I'm glad that it didn't get settled, I guess, that it is at least progressing forward. Mm. It would be interesting to know what the proposed settlements were and who turned them down and why. That would be interesting to hear. What I'm interested in as well is the the cost situation here, because this is a class action lawsuit, I believe, based on the fact that the document says that Mr. Rover has filed it uh, as an individual on behalf of herself and all others similarly situated. Because I spoke to fans at the time who were interested in joining the lawsuit, but were uh, concerned that if if it was lost, they would be landed with a share of a legal bill. And I'd be interested as well to know that how how Miss Sarova is going to cover not only the cost of this lawsuit, but the costs of the many defendants if she loses, because their costs will almost certainly be awarded. The judge will order her to pay them. So she's a very brave lady. Very yeah, it's interesting, and we've I've I've just spoken to Vera this morning, and and she she has expressed interest in the in the possibility in the coming months of coming on the show, and I'd love to set up a special episode maybe where we could speak to yourself, Charles, and maybe Damien Shields and Vera Sarova, and kind of set up a roundtable discussion of the of the case and and uh, why it's happening. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. Well, thank you, Charles, for coming on the show today and giving us an update on the, the Vera Sorova case. We look forward to hearing from you again in the future on any more developments that come out uh, regarding that case. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. Well, there you go. I probably didn't understand all of what Charles was telling us, but it certainly gave us a lot of information and, um, yeah, very interesting to hear from someone that knows what he's talking about, especially. So that was great of Charles to explain that to us. Thanks for hooking that up for us there, Jamin. Pleasure. So let's move along in news that isn't as breaking and as as ground-shaking, but not great news, but Epcot is to replace the uh, final Captain EO. Finally, so Epcot is uh, the the park down in uh, the second park that opened down as part of the Walt Disney World Resort complex in Orlando or Florida, and Captain EO has been playing there in the um, Magic Eye Theater in the uh, Imagination Pavilion, where it originally played back in the late eighties until nineteen ninety six. So it is farewell for Captain EO. They are replacing it. With basically a DVD extra, they are playing the Disney Pixar short films that are released on DVD. That's what is replacing it. So Mm. that's really, Mm. are they going to fill theaters? Because like I've seen, yeah, it's not always full in Captain EO, but um, it's still got people going to see it. Like who is going to go and watch a DVD extra of like short films? They are very good short films, mind you, but... Yeah, so I don't – whatever. They should just keep it until they can actually replace it with something worthwhile. But at the moment, Epcot is a very sad park. They've sort mm. of lost its uh, mission, which was um, sort of education and entertainment and imagination. So it's a bit sad that they're taking Captain EO out. This is the last one. Originally, the last park to close it was Disneyland Paris in 1997. Then, of course, it came back as a tribute to Michael Jackson in all the parks that originally had it. I think there's a Stitch attraction that has replaced it in Tokyo Disneyland this time. I think in Disneyland Paris, they're doing um, Ant-Man sort of screening, like a highlight film thing of Ant-Man, Marvel's Ant-Man. California, I don't know what they're showing in there at the moment, but yeah, this is the last one. So I guess go and see it if it's still open because you won't have a chance. But never know, it came back once before. You guys haven't seen any of the Captain EO in the parks, have you? Nope. You didn't get to Disneyland on your US trip this year, Jacob? No, unfortunately, but um, I will definitely get there uh, next time I go over. Well, probably by the time you get back, the Star Wars land will be open, so that might be cool. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be awesome. I uh, definitely haven't seen it either, Q, and it's something I, I'm a bit sad about because I would have loved to have had the opportunity to see uh, Captain EO at a Disney park, but, you know, unfortunately, December 6th is the last date that it's actually showing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I love Disney and Pixar productions. Like, I love all of their short films, but, yeah, to replace you know, this amazing original science fiction, incredible short film with stuff you can buy on a DVD. That doesn't sit right with me at all. It does say, though, that the Disney Pixar short film showing is like just a festival, though. So it might not be a... It probably wouldn't be a permanent attraction. It might just be a little festival. It's not going to be permanent. I think that pavilion has been screaming out for... um, 
like reinvigoration for many years yeah. and a, a worthy one as well. Like when they first did, uh, they first, what's I'm trying to think of the name of the attraction. Cause this is actually the only Disney resort I've not visited. So I haven't actually been to Epcot yet. There's the, um, imagination ride with figment, yeah. which when, uh, when it was originally, um, out, it was, uh, sort of quite beloved. And then they tried to refresh it, um, I guess in the nineties and they did a terrible job and they actually had to go back to the drawing board and put figment, this beloved character back into it. Mm. And when they did that, he's like the little purple dragon of Epcot who used to be, um, his merchandise sales basically equaled Mickey mouse merchandise sales back when Epcot was first launched. Wow. He was that popular and it's, he's actually a really great little character and it's a shame that Disney can't realise that they've got this incredible little character that they could turn into another, like, sort of main character again if they did it properly. Because when they did, yeah, try to do it, they failed. They had to put Figment back in. and they, But he sort of didn't quite keep his um, original charm. Mm. So even the journey to imagination with Figment attraction that there is there now is nowhere near as good as the original one, apparently or as popular. So the whole pavilion, like there used to be the upstairs image works in this pavilion, which we know very well from photos of Michael Jackson in that tunnel of light. Mm. You see the colored lights all behind great, Michael. Great photos. I remember those. Yeah. yeah, they were awesome. So that was upstairs in the image works mm. and that has been closed for a very long time. Parts of it are still up there, but parts of it would have been taken out. So that's a very much missed thing from this uh, pavilion as well, the Imagination Pavilion. So, yeah, the whole pavilion screaming for a refurbishment, but until they're going to do it properly, like there's not really a reason that we know of that they need to take Captain EO out. Maybe the contract to screen it was only for yeah, a fixed time. a certain amount perhaps. of time. It'd be great if they could actually have... You know, this is something, again, the, the, the Michael Jackson estate could be sort of organising. Like, wouldn't it be great if there was somewhere? It wouldn't maybe not have to be at a Disney park, but wouldn't it be great if they could screen Captain EO once a year somewhere as a special screening or something where fans could go? Or I'm not really well, sure. But they hadn't sold off all this stuff, they could actually have a museum and Disney could licence Captain EO to the estate yes. um, to screen in like a Michael Jackson museum. Yeah, exactly. Like, there should be a place that we should see it. And I think you guys would both agree that it's something that whoever has the rights to, either Disney or the estate, they should release it on Blu-ray. Absolutely. Couldn't yeah. agree more. With making of stuff, because there is actually a, I think hosted by Whoopi Goldberg, a making of documentary for it. Yeah. Well, we spoke about in an earlier show, the uh, music of Captain EO, and maybe we can pop the link back in the notes. There is actually a free Captain EO soundtrack album that you can get from um, the incredible website epcotlegacy.com Absolutely. So now, now might be a good time if you haven't already to to go and get the incredible Captain EO experience album to celebrate Captain EO and, his, and bid him a fond farewell. So also more news coming out about Michael Jackson music, Say 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 the 2015 remix has just been released on uh, vinyl and as a CD single on, I think it was November 20th. And jacksonsource.com uh, 
really great Michael Jackson and Jackson family related website. Just uh, put that news out that the single is able to be bought. What did you guys think of the the artwork of the single? Yeah, I liked it. I um, I like the uh, sort of the working uh, between Paul McCartney and MJ there sitting at the uh, control desk. Um, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I thought it was it's really very, cool. Very classy. Yeah, it was great. And it's a really good song. I've, I've been listening to it a lot lately. And uh, I just think it's a really, really good reworking of the song. It's cool that it doesn't like I'm glad that they didn't take like brand new production from some sort of like hot DJ mix producer or something and update it to 2015 sound. It's still kind of honoring that original sound, but just with the alternate sort of vocal delivery, which I thought was really good. Mm. Yeah, they kept what made the song good, like the essence of the song. The song is very popular still, so yeah, yeah. they didn't, you know, try and abandon what made it popular. I actually like it way more than um, what's on Thriller, like The Girl Is Mine. I kind of prefer Say, Say, Say. In some ways, I wish that had have been could have been the song that came out on Thriller, but, you know, either way, <laughs> they're both great. <laughs> the video is good too. Yeah. Oh, one of my favourite, favourite MJ videos, Say, Say, Say. Yep. yep. With uh, Latoya and <laughs> oh yeah, she does a little cameo in it, doesn't she? Yep, it's funny. It's the really... new video. Have you seen the new video? Um, that's the one with uh, the kids dancing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, like, you know, it's it's cool to see that uh, kids are dancing to MJ stuff still these days. It's great to see that all the time. Yeah, I I mean, it's one of those sort of videos where it's like, um, it's nothing big, but um. Uh, you can appreciate it. And interestingly, there's a competition happening as well with Say, Say, Say. So the Paul, uh, Paul McCartney's official website, paulmccartney.com, are running a, a competition where fans get to download the 2015 remix instrumental of the song and then create their own remix version of it. All you have to do to enter the competition is create that remix uh, and then upload it to YouTube and to make sure that you use the hashtag say 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 uh on any social networks that you promote it on whether it be twitter or instagram or tumblr facebook just get the uh remix out there as a video and use the hashtag say 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 and then also you've got to email say 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 at mpl.co.uk with uh with the video and then you get to enter into the competition and the closing date for entries is actually 12 p.m monday the 7th of december mjvibe.com have actually talked a little bit about the competition and have said that Paul McCartney's actually got a lot of fans as well that love doing uh, interesting remixes and things of his music. So there'll be some pretty hard competition there for any MJ fans who want to get involved and see if they can win the competition as well. I wonder if our friend Dan Vigilobos might uh, consider entering into that. Maybe. <laughs> be pretty cool. I wonder He's a pretty what, busy boy though. I wonder what you win. If you if you if you win the competition, I haven't actually seen that. Fame and glory. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, much too soon. Stems have leaked, and for those what of you, do who... stems mean stems are like <laughs> stems are like. Oh, how do I explain this? Like the individual sort of components of a song. So like, okay. if, if you've got a stem, it's like you might just hear the isolated guitar track or like the vocal track or. Okay, so they're like tracks. Yeah, uh, kind kind of tracks are kind of like compiled of stems. 
So okay. stems are like the the working bare bones of a song. And anyway, so in in as we know, uh, much too soon is a song that was uh, originally written and, and recorded during the Thriller sessions. Uh, and then continued to be worked on throughout Michael's career, including the history sessions. And then in 2010, the version that we all know that came out on the on the Michael album was reworked, I guess, by producer John McLean and some other great musicians as well. So the the stems from the 2010 session have leaked. Now that includes the guitar parts and all the different instrumentation. But what's interesting is some of the stems that have come out are Michael's raw. Uh, vocals and I'm guessing I'm not sure but I'm guessing they are the vocals that were recorded during the history sessions but the vocals are incredible they're pristine beautifully recorded amazing uh, vocals and I guess anybody that has access now to these stems would be able to put together and remix and create their own sort of version of much too soon so, Ooh, hey remix by Nick yeah <laughs> Yeah, so these this is the sort of thing that remixes dream of getting because they can do kind of whatever they want with the song now and create their own their own version. Uh, it's 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 more it's it's kind of like the acapella, I guess, of a song coming out. But when you hear a lot of Michael Jackson acapellas that you hear on YouTube and remixes that use acapellas, usually those acapellas are taken from the center track of a DVD version of a music video so the 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 set we were talking about before the visions dvd set that is obviously surround sound and michael's voice is usually coming through that centered channel of a 5.1 system and a lot of remixes or djs actually just isolate that surround sound component take out the center channel and then use that audio because it's predominantly just the vocal. Um, whereas when you get a stem of a, of a audio recording, it's a much more pure audio acapella. So really it's not many of Michael's songs have come out in terms of proper acapella. So, I mean, obviously you have you rock my world. that's come out like that and a few others, but um, officially, but yeah, here's another proper vocal stem for michael singing which is really really unique and awesome so it's a good song i actually really like that song much too soon i think it's a beautiful song mm. it's really nice yeah it has got a sort of country-esque sort of feel to it and it really suits his voice it reminds me a lot of destiny yeah actually yeah it's it's a good song i like it as well i thought it probably wasn't I mm, I thought it was a bit a little bit out of place on the Michael album because there was so much like not as out of place as some other stuff. <laughs> Very true, but yeah, I don't know. It was I think it may have been better suited to a re-release of another album rather than putting it on a posthumous collection of never before heard stuff because it was so different. But yeah, it's still really sweet and nice. I like it. Yeah, I always enjoyed the song. I uh, remember um, driving on a road trip one time and just listening to that song uh, a couple times on repeat and I don't know what it was but I just for that moment I really liked the song <laughs> so yeah I mean it's a good song love it yeah it's a shame that in in some ways it got buried in that album yeah mm. because totally. yeah it did deserve its own sort of uh time to shine have you guys ever heard of the Australian guitarist uh Tommy Emmanuel yeah. Yeah, so apparently he plays the guitar on that song. What? I'm really? serious. Yeah, I'm serious. I'm serious. I think he flew over to London or something and was, um, I think John McClane 
uh, used him to to do the the guitar parts on the song. Wonder if we can. Wonder if he's on like social media. If we can ask him about that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Because I mean, like his guitar parts are also available as these stems that have leaked. So, <laughs> like, mm. I mean, it's not like he's just some studio musician or something like that. This is like a you know a worldwide platinum sort of selling artist as well. But, interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, very cool. That, is that so? Would that be in the credits of the album? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. If you look up the if you if you own the Michael album, look at the the liner notes. I'm pretty sure you'll see that the guitar parts are played by Tommy Emmanuel. I don't know how we didn't know that before I'm in Australia. Sure. Like that would be you know, maybe I just ignored anything to do with this album. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was kind of like pushed into the back of your mind. Mm. <laughs> yeah funny there you go drop that little bit of news on us there <laughs> just like stephanie mills did on that little uh radio interview she was doing on the Sirius network recently did you see that mm-hmm. that was hilarious she was like um she, stephanie mills is an actress who originally played the role of dorothy in the broadway production of the Wiz back in the 70s obviously diana ross played the character as a school teacher an older character in the film version but Stephanie Mills was uh, critically acclaimed and well, she's won a lot of awards, but she was doing a little interview in relation to The Wiz Live, which will be coming out um, very soon, I think. Yeah. Um, and she was just talking and just in conversation just dropped that she would go to the set of The Wiz um, and there was no hard feelings between her and, you know, Diana Russ had got the, the role in the film version and she would visit the set and see everyone and because she was dating Michael at the time. And everyone, like Neo and, and everyone was sort of like, what? <laughs> it just came right out of the blue. talking about, Willis? <laughs> just totally out of the blue. Uh, oh, it was cool. And she didn't she want that. to elaborate on it either. No, she was really uh, quite reserved about it. But everybody else on the panel was trying to get information out of her. But she was, yeah, she was more talking about how Michael would bring, like, okay, so the big bombshell, I guess she said was, you know, very, very early in the morning, Michael would take her to the set of, you know, The Wiz, implying that she'd been with Stay him or something. Yeah. <laughs> Latoya, we need you to come on the show because you live with Michael at this time. That's right. They lived in New York. So maybe you can fill us in. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's funny because when you watch Living with Michael Jackson, that, that you know, documentary TV special that came out in 2003. Uh, she, you know, Michael is there talking about, you know, um, dating Tatum O'Neill and like his relationships during this time period. And he talks about them as if like, you know, he was incredibly shy and not much eventuated from them. And then to hear this information from Stephanie Mills that, you know, they were, you know, proper dating and, you know, possibly, you know. He was a player. Yeah. It's, it's very different to the way Michael framed himself during that period. So, you know, maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Who knows? But it's definitely interesting to hear. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys um, also see the recent radio interview with, um, I guess we all know him um, as the star of Webster in the, I guess, the 80s, Emmanuel Lewis. Did you see his interview when he was talking about being mates with Michael back in the day? Yeah, I loved his little uh, part about the monkey. <laughs> Oh, about like, was it AJ or Alex or something was the chimp back then? Yeah, I think uh, AJ, that's floating in my head at the moment. I, I laughed so hard at that. 
<laughs> yeah, he was like nervous, like his Michael was like, "Oh, you'll be fine." And, and Emmanuel was like, "Yeah, these are like really super strong animals. Like they're twice the size, you know, twice the strength of men." And he's like, "Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine." And Emmanuel's like, "Yeah, but he's the same size as me." <laughs> and then they were like playing Chasey or something. And, and what did happen? Emmanuel was hiding from AJ. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. We'll put it in. We'll put a link to the uh, interview to the uh, audio of the interview in the show notes. But it, yeah, it was funny. Just, you know, I think especially knowing you know Emmanuel's still out there. He's he's not acting anymore, but he's working sort of um, screenwriting and that sort of stuff. And he's still doing comedy and stuff like that. And he looks really well. And it was good to see him. And it's always fun hearing these stories. It's great to learn new information from people who are close to Michael and uh, just any sort of anecdotes or uh, stories they can tell about Michael when he was, when he was you know, younger. It's really fun to, to hear. So. Very cool. So Tito Jackson, more Jackson's news. Tito's going to be performing in a Canadian charity event for the Donald Berman Mayamanides Geriatric Centre in Canada. Part of this actual charity event and situation is called the Motown Comes to Battle of the Bands on December 1st and 2nd. You will be able to see Tito Jackson performing in the Motown Comes to Battle of the Bands show, which is going to be very, very exciting. It's always great to see one of the Jackson family members perform. Interestingly, he will also be signing a Star Squire guitar by Fender that you can that you can uh, get as a part of an auction. Wouldn't it be great to own a guitar with Tito's signature on it and watch him perform? That would be awesome to see him perform. I have no idea what I would do with a guitar. <laughs> you could play it. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope nope but no they um they actually just also recently did a uh charity concert for ronald mcdonald house Mm. and raised like thirty five thousand bucks wow for for the charity which was apparently went down very well with the crowd and but yeah this um little competition sounds really awesome like tito's going to be sort of doing little sets with other people and um yeah it'll be really cool yeah should be good he's a great great performer great musician did you get to see the Jacksons when they toured a few years ago, Jacob? No, I've not seen any Jackson live, sadly. Mm, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> As opposed to Q, who has seen Michael Jackson a number of times live and oh. Janet Jackson. A number of times. <laughs> Saw Janet on a few tours and also the Jackson brothers in the Unity tour. Yeah, not fair. Mm. So just waiting for Latoya... It's a shame that Randy seems to have retired, but maybe one hof- day. Hopefully, Janet will be here next year, and we can um, all talk about seeing her. Yeah, yeah. So there's another court case uh, that had involved the Jackson estate for a while. The Holosham from that what was that award show? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, 2015 Billboard Music Awards. Yeah, that's it? it. That's it. Yep. No, then it wasn't 2015. They- I think it was 2014. Mm. Okay. So that's, oh yeah, last year. So when they did that Slave to the Rhythm Holosham with that dude up there, or the dude's body and a CG Michael's head performing Slave to the Rhythm, um, that case had, was, there was two companies, 
Do you understand the case at all, Jamin? Yeah, kind of, I guess, a little bit. So basically this this case, it, what's happened is the federal judge has dismissed the uh, Michael Jackson estate and Dick Clark Productions from a patent lawsuit stemming from the 2014 uh, performance. And essentially what's kind of happened in layman's terms is the original creators of the technology uh, that was used to um, not so much project the CG image of Michael Jackson, but just to create the computer-generated image of Michael itself. So those people that created that technology have actually sued uh, a number of people for claiming that they invented it. So Pulse Evolution, Pulse Entertainment, and Musion 3D, and three other people, uh, are the people that are that that were paid by the Michael Jackson estate to create this thing for the Billboard Music Awards. Now, the original creators of it, the plaintiffs, have have sued Pulse Evolution Entertainment, blah blah blah, for getting the money for that. I guess the work because they didn't originally create the technology. So the lawsuit's actually still happening and it's still going ahead, but the Michael Jackson estate and Dick Clark Productions, who I'm guessing are the people that put the Billboard Music Awards on, have been dismissed from the lawsuit. So they can't, you know, uh, I guess be held liable for what actually happened. Uh, the dismissal happened on November 9th and... You know, it's interesting that the plaintiffs, I, I think they may have a leg to stand on because not only did they, not only were there, was their technology used to create uh, the Michael Jackson quote unquote performance, but also that one at the 2012 Coachella uh, Music Festival that involved a uh, bringing Tupac back, uh, back to life. So yeah, it looks like they've the, these creators of the technology have kind of been ripped off a couple of times now or not given compensation for their work i guess so yeah it seems like a valid lawsuit that should happen uh it's just and 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 it's probably right as well that the mj estate have been dismissed because i don't know like even though i disagree with the hologram pepper's ghost technology ever having been used in the first place like really let's let's be honest what happened was the michael jackson estate used current technology to try to further Michael's legacy. So I think in some ways their heart was in the right place, but it was just incredibly poorly executed and in very, very bad taste, but nothing illegal. So it's probably good that they have been dismissed from the lawsuit. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I never really, uh, when I first saw the video, I never really liked it. Just, yeah, it was just not... Like, you could tell straight away that's just not what Michael Jackson would be like. But, yeah, in terms of, like, the court case, I mean, like, it's good that they're not... What sort of technology, all these, like, patents and stuff, it's a very uh, difficult subject to um, move around. But, yeah, uh, glad that it didn't uh, get, I guess, blown up in anything big. Yeah. I think the concept what could have happened, like, is sound like they could really do a cool show with using this this pepper's ghost effect and the staging of this one was really well done it's i just don't understand the the limits of the technology from what i understand they need to film a subject 
in with special um, film rates and and uh, lighting conditions. I think very high lighting conditions at high frame rate or something like that, so that they can have a high enough resolution to project it onto the translucent surface. So. I think the limit of the technology is that they have not used Michael in either this one or the Vegas one show because they haven't filmed Michael under those conditions. All they have is video footage like we do. So they have to go and film someone else who stands in his place and dances in his place and performs in his place. And then they use like CG to put a fake face, computer generated face on, whoever's body it is. Hmm. So it's a shame that they can't figure out a way to actually use the footage that we have of Michael, either from concert performances or videos to then put the legit Michael in these productions. I wouldn't have much of a problem if they were using actual legitimate Michael Jackson footage as this um, projected effect but the fact that they're not, that's where my issue lies. I think the concept of it is incredible. Like the staging of the Slave to the Rhythm was really cool. And the staging of the MJ1 is really cool, especially when he turns into like the, the magic dust that, you know, moves around when, when the, the actors get close to it. I think the effect itself is really cool. It just doesn't sit well knowing that, yes, it's someone portraying Michael, but it's actually not Michael. Yeah, definitely agree. I think they should hold off on trying to do this sort of thing until they can find a way to project three-dimensionally what's already been captured on video, the real Michael Jackson performing. Even if they have to embellish what they have as a 2D image and and use computer-generated imagery to make that into a 3D image, I'm fine with that. As long as they're using the original source material and trying to be as true to that as possible. Like, imagine, like, a permanent concert like in a permanent location it doesn't have to have fifty thousand people going to every show but like imagine a small arena somewhere like we said at some kind of museum where you could go and see you know i don't know the mtv vma awards performance with a cgi michael doing that and it looked real like do you know what i mean like something like that would be really tasteful i think but yeah it would be cool if they could do it right we will see we will see I just don't like when they keep trying to do these things and it ends up like just not well done. It's like, don't try it until you can do it properly. I guess they had thought they had done it properly, but bum bum fail. Did you guys had, did you guys have breakfast this morning? Every morning. What did you have? Not what we're about to hear. Let's hear about Alphabet's cereal. Give me a you.
And we're back. I'm back on the show. Thanks for joining us again, Jacob. All good. In case listeners don't know, I just went and got my hair did. <laughs> <laughs> what What does it look like here? A perm. Oh. Yep. Got a 70s perm. Nice. That, yep. And a big, big rat's tail. Oh, wow. That's, yep. that's really bogan. <laughs> no, it's Jedi. Jedi. I guess so. Did you really get a rat's tail or... No. Oh. I didn't know you're joking. How do I know you're joking? You may have done that. I don't know. How would I get away with a rat's tail at work? <laughs> oh, <laughs> do they have like rules around hair on super strict? Really? Yes. <laughs> Very strict rules about everything hair and what you can do, even like about the watch you can wear and stuff. No rat's tails. Are you allowed an Apple no. Watch? No. Maybe if it was the there's like is there an Apple Watch with like a fancy band? Yeah, like no, you wouldn't be able to have the rubber sports band no, one, no. but you might be able to have the other one. But you would have to activate flight mode at the start of every flight. Yeah, yeah, they have like Milanese loops and and steel like you know link bracelets and stuff you can get. So yeah, you might be able to have one of those. You can't have, like, sports watches or anything. So, who gets you in trouble? Like, if you turn up to work with a sports watch, what happens? Well, if it's noticed, then, you know, you'd you'd have to have a discussion with your either onboard manager or if the manager in the base noticed. Wow. Pretty strict. Yeah. Do you think this perm will fly? (laughs) Yeah, possibly. Possibly yep. not. <laughs> Possibly not. Q, you're grounded. <laughs> <laughs> grounded. Oh, wow. So, this week, Jacob, you pointed this out to us. Do you want to tell us about this awesome list? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know if uh, anyone else knows about it. It's pretty It's pretty well known. Uh, watchmojo.com. They do a lot of top tens and a lot of countdown videos of uh, popular things. And they recently did a top 10 Michael Jackson uh, music video countdown. So just a 10 to 1 list of um, what they uh, thought the best Michael Jackson music videos were. Jamin, have you watched it? Yeah, yeah, I've definitely, I've watched it. I loved the, okay, first of all, I love watchmojo.com. I think they do incredible countdown videos. I watch them all the time, actually, and I I can't believe I didn't know there was a Michael Jackson one. Uh, So thanks, Jacob, for for telling us about it. And when I watched it, I really thought, like, it was quite good. Like, I would have included pretty much every video that was on it in the countdown myself. Uh, My only issue was that there was not one included in it that I thought should have been, and that was Stranger in Moscow. And I personally think that's one of Michael's best-looking videos ever shot, like ever, way better than some of the ones that are in the list. And I don't know why it wasn't in there, so that kind of annoyed me a little bit. Did anyone write down the list, like what is the top? I didn't write it down, but we should definitely read it out. Okay. Where from? Have, is it on the site? Well, I'm just looking at it now and I'm um, scrolling through the video. So they got Scream at number 10 and then Earth Song at number 9, Billie Jean at number 8, Black or White at number 7, Leave Me Alone at number 6, Remember the Time at number 5, Bad at number 4, 
uh, Beat It at number three, Smooth Criminal at two, and of course Thriller at one. So I think it's a it was a pretty fair list. It's better than a lot of other sort of lists I've seen in the past. Actually, I think it is um, yeah a pretty good top ten. Mm. I don't oh my god like I don't think I could pick a top ten myself. I could pick ten, but I couldn't put them in any definitive order. Mm. I guess Thriller's there because it's so groundbreaking, but it's not like my number one video ever. I don't know what I would pick as a number one. I would have, in, if I was doing a top ten, I think I would have to include Ghosts in the top ten. Mm-hmm. I think, like in, the short, the short, short version. Or no, the whole no, no, thing? no, 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 no. Like the whole thing. They actually like included the entire thing for bad. Like they did this fairly. They they showed like the bad video as a short film yeah. in the list. Like they spoke about you know the character Daryl and stuff, which is not in the short one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, and I would include the Ghosts full version as. Something, and if I was doing a top 10 list as well, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's I think a, I enjoy ghosts more than thriller. Yeah, it's definitely more compre- you know, uh, complex and comprehensive, I think, especially in terms of the makeup and the effects and the CGI and everything like that. But I think it's important that the videos are understood in the context that they were shot, like especially in the time periods. So thriller, I think being number one is is fair because when that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like when that came out, like that, that was dealing with the... That changed everything. <laughs> what would you do as like? What would you do as like top five for you? Hmm. I'd say I can't really come up with it off the top of my head, but I definitely like. So for me, like I've got to admit, like I don't the the long form thing. Like I don't that doesn't. I know that's a big part of what Michael wanted to accomplish, like long short films and stuff like that with narratives through them. For me, like I'm kind of more of a I like the the visual side of things a little bit more than the the story element of them. So for me personally, I would be picking things that visually are really really groundbreaking. So that's things like Scream and Stranger in Moscow and Who Is It and those those kind of things that make really timeless classic innovative visual statements appeal to me a little bit more than story but that's just me what about you jacob could you come up with a top five well i actually um went to the trouble of actually creating a top 16 but i won't read that all all the 16 out um you can (laughs) totally sure you've gone to the trouble do it well um at number one i did thriller of course um smooth criminal two uh, three is Scream, four, They Don't Care About Us, Brazil version, uh, five is Bad, six, Earth Song, seven, Beat It, eight, Jam, nine, Ghosts, ten, Billie Jean, eleven, You Rock My World, twelve, The Way You Make Me Feel, uh, thirteen, Dirty Diana, uh, fifteen, Say Say Say, and I didn't add the sixteen, so that's fifteen there. Fifteen list, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You know, what the the inclusion of jam um, struck me as really interesting. What do you like about that video so much? Um, I'm a huge basketball lover. Just ah. having the two greatest MJs on the earth uh, <laughs> together is just so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool video. That was a, a very big deal back in the time. Mm. Wasn't that the first um, single from from Dangerous Jam? No. No, black or white. Black or white was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was a single, but it wasn't the first. The first one. Yeah. Very cool. 
I don't think I could come up with a list. I don't think like I would have to include like Smooth. I think I would possibly put Smooth Criminal as my number one. If I have a Tommy gun to my head, <laughs> I would have to. Yeah, Smooth Criminal. I think I would have to pick as number one. But I don't know if I could. I'm a Libran. I can't decide things. So I could give a list, but I wouldn't be able to put it in a proper order. I think Earth Song would be in there. Black or White, the full version. I think even the short version. The effects in that were amazing. And that was the song in the video that cemented me as a hardcore mega fan. Mm. But um, yes, like Smooth Criminal Earth song, Black or White. Yeah, now I'm pushing it. I don't know what I would pick for the rest because I, I couldn't decide. I think Michael considered his. Well, didn't isn't there an interview with him somewhere saying that the comments that he that he got most about his music videos were like Smooth Criminal was the one he heard, like got the most positive feedback from from people. It's a work of art. It's an absolute masterpiece. Oh, I think you said that in Private Home Movies. Yeah, you might be right, actually. Cool. So uh, what about our main discussion point of uh, the week? What about the cool new Dangerous uh, concert that was leaked? Bremen, Germany, 1992. So had the audio come out before or had we seen snippets of this? Or is this completely new? I think the audio the audio had been out for a week or more beforehand. The the audio definitely leaked first, and then um, actually it might have been longer than that. I can't recall how long, but I know the audio had been out. And then one song had been uploaded. I think it may have been "Heal the World." I didn't even see that or hear that news. <laughs> um, interestingly, but then yeah, all of a sudden I was on the MJ archives on Facebook, and bam, there it was, Bremen. Thanks to MJ Beats. Thanks, MJ Beats. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, much appreciated. Really cool show. It was performed, I think, on August eighth in ninety two, uh, in front of forty five thousand people in the city of Bremen, Germany, at I don't know how to say the stadium. It's either Wesser Stadium or something like that. But yeah, pretty big show, pretty big crowd, forty five thousand. And man, is it uh, an interesting show to watch? I had a lot of fun watching it. Have you seen it also, Jacob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, um, um, I guess, I've watched all of it, uh, all that there is to watch, both parts. Um, and yeah, like there's some interesting points that um, uh, I found, uh, just both like that I've seen on other concerts, like especially the Dangerous Tour concerts, and um, just this one in particular. I noticed that uh, this is just going by what I saw is. Uh, Michael was uh, probably less energetic in this concert, except for the really last bit, which uh, he goes nuts with the the <laughs> woos uh, in the end. Um, the, just the the beginning was sort of a bit like uphill, uh, steep uphill, but um, no, nah, everything else I uh, loved. I noticed. Um... Like it was a good show, and I I started to watch it, and I shouldn't have it when I first started because I had to sort of tear myself away and actually go do something before I could actually sit down and commit to watching it all. And it was so hard to tear yourself away from like mm. watching Michael in Jam. But the at the opening, like he looked like he almost like there was a turn, a move that he did that I was like, whoa, what happened there? I actually rewound it. I was like, did he almost fall or what was going on? I was like, okay. Like, it was a good show, but there was a few little bits like that where I was like, that seems out of the ordinary. 
And of course, there were a lot of effects missing from this production, which sort of stood out, like mainly like in Thriller, the whole illusion was missing, mm. the sets were missing, and then the Will You Be There, and then Heal the World effects. So I noticed those were sort of missing as well. Yeah, I definitely noticed that too. There was some big moments missing, like when the angel comes down at the end of Will You Be There and... Uh, some some interesting things were excluded, and in a minute when we get to hear from our from our special guest uh, Anthony King, who's going to talk about it, uh, he definitely goes into a lot more detail about the reasons for those things not being there. But I think you know, on the whole, it was a really interesting thing to watch for me because, like, the only other dangerous show I really actually watched properly in full is the Bucharest show that came out on DVD as a part of the Ultimate Collection. Uh, in the mid 2000s and even that show itself is not the you know it's it's called Bucharest but it's actually an amalgamation of lots of different dangerous shows into one to make sort of like a best of sort of thing so most of the footage is from Bucharest but there's a lot of other pieces that aren't in it so like I think it's the first dangerous show that I've ever actually watched from start to finish that's from the one location. So that's I think that's why it feels like you're watching something with warts and all because, you know, it's not cutting bits out to put better things over the top. Uh, so, yeah, there are some certain little issues with it, but it was a great experience to be able to watch a Michael show from start to finish with no breaks. There was I loved how there was... Uh, a real lack of crowd footage. It was, the whole thing was just like focused on Michael, mm. um, which was awesome because in so many other concerts, it's like so much crowd footage. It's kind of distracting. I did think I noticed, I don't maybe they used some of that crowd footage in the Bucharest DVD release. Yes. Because some of those people's faces looked familiar well. that were all pressed <laughs> up against the front row unless they were going to multiple shows. Yeah, there's I know, yeah, there's this there's some people that kind of traveled around to every single Michael show that ever happened sort of thing. And there's one dude in particular called who Michael called Waldo, I guess as a joke from like where's Wally, but he's in the Munich show, the Bucharest show, he's even in 30th anniversary. He's in like oh, He's the, like a sort of blondie. Yeah, the floppy head guy. Yeah. And that's the, that's the guy. Yeah, the I was guy. Like, he looks so familiar. So his name's—I don't know his real name—but Michael called him Waldo. And there's a uh, there's actually a picture of him one one of the last photographs of Michael ever taken is him with Michael in the uh, in Los Angeles. What when Michael is in like his this is it rehearsal period. So he was like a mega fan, like super mega mega Whoa. mega fan. Whoever you are, if you're listening, email us please. <laughs> the MJCast at iCloud.com. I will want like photo verification. I will suss out that it's really you contacting us. <laughs> but for real, like if the, you are listening to this and that is you, you're in a like a in the Bremen show, you're in like a light blue sort of shirt and yeah, blonde hair. Yeah, because I was like, God, that looks like someone. And then yeah. I was like, maybe it was in the Bucharest and then maybe the 30th anniversary. You'll see him every time now. That's every- <laughs> so cool. Yeah, and he's there's even pictures of him with Michael in like London after the trial happened. You know, do you remember that time Michael went to like like an it was like an underground car park or something, and he was like on top of a car, and the paparazzi are all around him taking photos. Is that what we heard the story from Dan? Yeah, that's Dan's story. He that guy Waldo, he's there as well. Mystery just, man, just... hit us up. <laughs> Sorry, I've just found his name, Justin. I found it. I don't know how 
How? Um, <laughs> how, uh, how You're like a detective. <laughs> but I just, I just put into Google um, Michael Jackson and Waldo and I found Justin is apparently the name. There's no last name though. Okay, is, well, well, let's look it up. Answers, so I'm not too sure on how legit it is, but there you go. Look up Google Images. Type in Michael Justin, sorry, Michael Jackson, Waldo Justin, and see if we can find. Yeah, there you that's go. Okay, hilarious. see the first picture that comes up in Google Images. Yeah, that's 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 one of the last photos of Michael ever taken with the curls and the black so jacket. Michael Jackson, Waldo, Justin. Justin images. That's there an, you go. That's the guy from the from that show that you that you pointed out. That's so funny. <laughs> there you go. Hit us up, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could do a Waldo special. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> Um, is it just me or when you do Google pictures of Michael, are you just terrified of seeing awful pictures? Um, like death pictures basically yeah, is what yeah. I'm saying. Autopsy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys terrified of that? Like I am. And I think I've sometimes accidentally seen stuff. Well, there's only really two photographs or three and I've seen them so many times now that they just like, they're horrible to look at, but I don't know. I've just seen them so much now. That like, they're... it shouldn't be that way that I'm scared to sort of go onto Google or even on YouTube. YouTube's terrible, like the thumbnails that are over yeah. on the side. Yeah. yeah. It's like I shouldn't have to feel that way. I'm more scared of um, more explicit photographs leaking one day from those. Oh, uh, well, yeah I, yeah. I try not to think about that because I don't. Because that's happened, hey, for like John F. Kennedy and mm. like people like them, Tupac and stuff, like really graphic photos of them are out there. And I'm really worried that's going to happen for Michael. That would be terrible, yes. Yeah. Hopefully it never, never does. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, really good show. Uh, Bremen was, I, I felt like, I mean, obviously there were some clear issues with it, you know, in terms of Michael's performance here and there. But like overall, like it was a great experience to watch for me because... There was, I felt, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I thought the coloring of it was really sharp, like way more rich than the Bucharest DVD, which I think is a little bit washed out in terms of color. This had really, really rich color, uh, even though the quality wasn't as good. It was like VHS quality. The color looked beautiful. Quality was pretty good considering. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. I, I streamed it from my iPad to the Apple TV to watch on like a big screen. Yeah. And I was like, that's not too bad. It's like the the four by three ratio was probably the most annoying thing. Yeah. Jacob, did you prefer watching like a, this dangerous show to any of the other tours or what's what's your favorite tour? Um, I probably preferred watching this one since it didn't have like, there was no like break really. Um, yeah. It was just all one show. Mm. Um except for like changing, having to change uh, video for part two. But yeah, just for like, if I wanted to just stick a concert on and run it in the background, I think this is the one that I'll choose. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I liked the live vocals. There was a lot of live singing compared to some of the later sort of history era shows. Mm. 
Yeah, there were some good moments. No, it was a good show. I enjoyed watching it. I'm glad that it's come out so we can see more of, like, Michael and stuff that we hadn't before. Yeah, and there's some unique stuff in it too, like some of the ad-libs that happen at the end of I Just Can't Stop Loving You. Yes. Um, which hadn't been performed before, as far as I know. It was cool seeing Lavelle. Yeah, it was cool. And uh, who, Jamie King. Yep, Jamie King's there as well. That sort of blew, reminded me, I'd like sort of forgotten that, you know, Jamie was, he must have been so young. Yeah, well, he looks young now in the um, I know in the DVD sort of production videos for uh, the Cirque shows when he's talking about that. So he must have been like very early twenties, I guess. He must have been the youngest, surely the youngest dancer. Yeah, totally. Because the other guys, some of them were on the bad tour. Yeah, Lavelle for sure, and I think the guy, the dancer with the long hair, I'm pretty sure he was on the bad tour. I, I wonder what his name is. I don't know. We should find out more about these people. We should. Let us know, listeners. But a lot of the singers, a lot, sorry, a lot of the musicians actually on The Dangerous Show, when you look up the credits on, I'll put a link in the show notes, but there's a really good website called michaeljacksontrader.com and they have heaps of information on his tours and all the personnel that were involved. But if you look up the names of the people who were in the band on The Dangerous Tour, a lot of them, like a majority of them, ended up working on This Is It, even. Um, the singers and, and different people. Not so much on history? Uh, yeah, and history as well. So, I mean, there's obvious exclusions. Like, you know, Brad Buxer wasn't involved with This Is It, but definitely a majority of people like Dory and Holly and, and different people ended up working with Michael right from bad all the way through to, to This Is It. Well, if you found a good thing... Yeah, you stuck with it for sure. It's really interesting. And even some of those veteran dancers, the people that were actually dancers in his earlier tours, ended up becoming choreographers that he worked with, like Lavelle, on those later shows. Interesting. Very, very cool. It was a good show. I loved, um, I do love the a lot of the costume stuff in Dangerous, the, especially for like the, the backup dancers, mm. um, Saida, uh, Jennifer Batten's costumes. And I think. The jam costume is one of my favourites yeah. of all time. But I like both versions, the history album cover version, like the black suit with the gold. I like that, but I love this, uh, the like peacock rainbow jacket. Oh, yeah, the... The blue blue jam jacket. Yeah. Yeah, that's like my favourite, I think, jam outfit. I love that one. Yeah, it looks really cool. Very cool. The whole um, fences unitard like it works except for i think in smooth criminal yeah it doesn't i don't think it suits smooth criminal yeah but it suits like you know want to be starting something and all that yeah. just not not from smooth criminal on i like the stuff he wears more towards the end of the show like especially like as the show goes on the clothes get a little bit more relaxed and and flowy and i really like the um man in the mirror shirt I reckon it's really cool. It's just totally mm -hmm. chilled and relaxed and love it. <laughs> also, I love and I always, always, always wanted one, one of those Heal the World jackets. Oh, yeah. Oh, love that jacket. It's yeah. just like this silver reflective stuff. Yeah. And it's the whole jacket, like, just reflects. So it looks like he's just glowing. <laughs> I loved that jacket ever since I first saw it. It was cool how he wore that again in This Is It. 
Yes. God, I can't even remember. I haven't seen that. It for wasn't so long. for long. He only wore it for like a little bit in the movie, but there's a yep. section where he's got that same Heal the World jacket back out. Yes. It's probably been sold now. Probably. Thanks, Michael Bush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no comment. No comment, indeed. Don't even get me started. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we had a great audio submission uh, come in from friend of the show, Anthony King. Uh, that we and, and Anthony, if you don't know, he's a, he's a great, great guy. He's uh, he's actually a dance choreographer that works at Pineapple Dance Studios in London, and he was one of the original choreographers that worked on Thriller Live before it became a touring show. And uh, he basically does really great vlogs as well, like uh, blogs and vlogs actually, where he breaks down and analyzes Michael Jackson's live performances. Uh, and being a choreographer himself, he has a lot of great insights into Michael's performances and uh, talks about all of the intricate details of the staging of the show and how the shows run in terms of, uh, you know, like the, you know, the music and the dance and, and how how the staging and the performances match up with the musical elements. So he's put a great 10 minute little audio submission together for us, giving a review of the dangerous uh, Bremen show now that we might cut to. Anthony King here and today we're going to do a special on Michael Jackson's dangerous tour in Bremen and I'm happy to do this for the MJ cast. I love what they do. Usually I would do 10 minutes per song but today we're going to speed through and do 10 minutes for the whole concert. So we'll just do some of the highlights and at a later stage I will do a whole exclusive on the whole show. So let's jump in. This is Michael Jackson's dangerous tour was in Germany in Bremen, in the north of Germany, on August the 8th, 1992, at the Weiser Stadium. Now, very important to look at this show in context. Your first initial reaction might be that it looks great and an amazing show, that's fine. But if you look at it closer, you'll see that Michael Jackson, there's something wrong with Michael on this concert. And those of you who know your Michael Jackson history will know that a week before, Michael Jackson was taken ill with a virus. And um, unfortunately for me, I was at Wembley Stadium, I think it was on the 1st of August, and Michael Jackson cancelled the show a few minutes before. So that was one week before this. So if you have a look at this show, you might notice that Michael Jackson is ill. He is recovering, probably on medication, and it actually affected the show pretty much. So bear that in mind when when watching this show. Um, Okay, let's start off. It starts off with Carmina Burana and with the the O Fortuna which it doesn't. <laughs> so it's, there was issues with, if, if I remember correctly, there were issues with the Karl Orff estate. Or if I remember correctly, it was, I think it might have been the actual orchestra who recorded the version which Michael used originally on the tour. Um, but there were some kind of issues. So what it sounds like they've done is they've, re, they've basically redone a piece of music in the spirit of Karl Orff. And, um, and as far as I, I'm aware, that's, that certainly isn't in Carmina Burana. So uh, it's a new piece that they composed because I don't know what it is. So it sounds like they just copied it in, in keeping the same form and structure. And um, as they were in Germany, they probably didn't want issues with the estate. And that's the same one they used in the Royal Concert in Brunei and some other shows as well. Um, okay, if you take a look at Jam, pretty, he doesn't actually dance a lot. The first move especially is particularly messy if you take a look at it. You can see that he's ill. 
Um, again, obviously, Michael Jackson ill is, is, is still amazing, but he really is going through the motions. Um, if you take a look at Smooth Criminal just before the lean, you've been hit by ah, ah. He, he, he doesn't do any moves there, which is very, very unusual. Uh, so this, um, the sound is from the mixing desk and it's not all of the elements are there. So for example, we don't have any crowd, any audience sound because they weren't, this is from Michael's band. And um, we, some elements are higher than the others, particularly the drums. And there's other backing singing and click track elements which actually aren't particularly loud in this mix. But we hear a lot of Ricky Lawson actually, we hear a lot of him talking and we hear a lot of him testing the drums in between the songs. Um, if you take a look at something fun in Jam, Michael Jackson loses one of his finger tapes, which is interesting, uh, and, and he picks it up off the stage. It, it happened on the History Tour as well. Um, and uh, we have a little bit of click track issues in Jam. If you take a listen closely into the break of Jam, you'll hear the click track continuing on. It goes, Jam, Jam. That, you know those backing sounds? They're the pre-recorded elements. And, and so there were issues in Jam, and there was also major issues in Man in the Mirror. We'll come to that in a minute. Um, we had a lot of gaps in between the songs because Michael Jackson was ill. And uh, so a lot, a lot less than usual in the Dangerous Tour. He was pretty quick um, on the Dangerous Tour, but I mean, he really was recovering. Um, we, if you take a look at Smooth Criminal, obviously you'll see uh, one of the backing dancers um, fall over whilst doing the lean. So they had a malfunction. He probably wasn't clipped in properly whilst doing the lean. That's actually Jamie, um, who is amazing. He's a very good friend of my little brother's actually. And so I think he'll find it very funny if we send him that. He's gone on to do amazing things and direct the, the Cirque Michael Jackson shows. And he's with Madonna right now. He really is amazing. Um, okay, what else? Now, logistically, staging, extremely different. Thriller. No background set at all. Obviously, that means no illusion, no coffins, nothing. Now, there's, there's probably many reasons for this, but it probably come, comes down to logistics. So what happens is you have multiple stages and you probably have two or three that travel around each time. But not every arena can fit the same amount of equipment or possibly, for example, because one of the shows was cancelled, um, the basically the planning was probably out, so they couldn't get all of the set in in the stadium. Now that's speculation, but it's obviously it's going to be a logistical reason that they didn't have that set in, and it makes a big effect on the show. As in, to cut the illusion out and to cut those br the brilliant set is such a pity. Um, Obviously, that means during Heal the World, we don't have the split stage either. It's just the standard, almost bad tour, standard Brecht, normal stage. You see everything, not a lot of sets, um, which is very different to Bucharest and other parts of the Dangerous Tour, similarly to the second leg of the History Tour. Um, so, yeah, what a pity. No, uh, no um, thriller illusion. But if you take a, a close look during working day and night, you're going to see something very interesting. You take a look when he sits down in the chair, you will see his black trousers underneath his blue trousers, which is very, very rare. Um, so you'll see the quick change. Uh, they rip off the top and rip off the blue trousers. And then his black trousers are tucked in. 
So that is something very interesting from this show, which you probably didn't know or you wouldn't have noticed, definitely wouldn't have seen before. So when he's sitting on the chair, working day and night in the illusion, take a look at his trousers. You'll see the black ones. Um, yeah, talking about him being sick, if you just take a look at just before the moonwalk in Billie Jean, not as sharp as he usually would do it. I mean, really, um, you, I mean, for me, straight away, I look and I say, OK, there's something there's something wrong with this. Um, you know, during this show. I mean, just down to the, will you be there the, without the angel coming down at the end, uh, putting her arms around him, probably because of the virus. I mean, probably very simple reason. If you take a look, even his T-shirts, he's wearing a high necked circle necked with a rip rather than his long V-neck. I mean, he, he does look, I mean, brilliant show, but he physically looks like he's struggling near, uh, near the end. Um, a couple of cool things. You've got a really cool bass kick in between working day and night, uh, day and night, and beat it. Um, bah, 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 you know, and it sounds like um, he expected Michael to come in quicker than he did. And if you take a look at beat it, you know, take a look and compare that to Michael's book arrest. You can see that he's really is tired. Um, and uh, I mean, as I said previously, big gaps in between the songs. Okay, one of my favourites. Um, parts of this show um, was Man in the Mirror. Now, I'm going to tell you a few things about Man in the Mirror, which happened in the Bremen concert, which were unusual. Um, Michael's, my, so Michael, you know, as you probably know, he mimes most of the song, and then the second part of the song he sang live. But Michael wasn't completely with it during Man in the Mirror. Um, so what happened was the, he expected the click track of his vocal to, to go out earlier than it did so he basically stopped miming and the track went on um and then even afterwards he expected it to be live and it wasn't live so the guy in control of the microphone wasn't switched on so to speak but um if you listen there's a line starting with the man in the mirror and if you listen to the rest of the dangerous tour it's very rare that that last line is ever heard because usually what will happen is it's the the pre-recorded element lead vocal is usually turned off before that point. Now, starting with the man in the mirror, that line was in the original recording, as in Michael's original recording. It wasn't on the album, but it was in the original recording. You can hear it in one other place in one of Michael's uh, concerts. And can you guess what it is? You think? It's United We Stand, Man in the Mirror. You will hear starting with the man in the mirror and then it will go live. Usually on the Dangerous Tours, Michael's live much, much earlier. Now, another thing was Michael Jackson forgot to introduce the band. You could see that he really, I mean, he, he literally forgot to do it. Um, and also that last end section, they had issues with the mix, harmony and with the click track because what happened was Michael... Essentially, he improvised. There is a staircase section musically where Michael will spin and go on his toes and it will break down. But what happened was Michael Jackson did that once and then afterwards the ooze come in, the choir, the ooze, the harmony of ooze. 
And what happened was, Michael, they started those ooze, which is a pre-recorded element. So once it started, it started. And then Michael back, went back to doing another spin, which he'd already previously done, so which means they had to cut off the ooze, which means that it's now messed up the rest of the song. So if you listen, they had to manually trigger the ooze, the, the backing vocals ooze on a keyboard. So if you listen carefully, you will hear they're not perfectly in sync. So take a listen to that, um, the oohs and the ahs um, in Man in the Mirror. They're going to be out because Michael extended the songs when the band weren't properly prepared. Um, however, what a brilliant performance. Really, really good. And, uh, you know, the band did a great job. So Michael forgot to introduce the rest of them. But you know what? They did a great job. You can also hear a couple of extra little things at the end of Thriller as well. Little, little extra sounds that you don't usually hear. Okay. That'll do, and I will see you soon, guys. Um, really nice to be with you and uh, speak to you soon. My name's Anthony King, and it's been a pleasure. Okay, so that was Anthony King. Anthony, thank you so much for that. We really appreciate that. We, you know, you can sort of bring something to um, like a, a review of the show that we couldn't really. So we really appreciate your time and sending that to us. Um, if you would like to check out Anthony King, please head to anthony-king.com or hyphen in Australia, we call it. So anthony-king.com. You can email him on info at anthony-king.com. He is on Twitter at Anthony King one, that's the numeral one. And over on Facebook, Facebook, is it facebook.com slash Anthony King dance? Yeah. Is that the, that's correct. That's where to find him. Cool. But yes, awesome blogs, awesome vlogs. You'll find his links uh, probably on the page to hit the YouTube channel. Um, but yes, thank you, Anthony. And we will talk to you again in the future. We really appreciated that. And, um, yeah, send him a shout-out. Say hi, everyone. He's a great guy. Hi, my name's Kerry Ward, Vice President of Michael's Dream Foundation. Michael's Dream Foundation is a grassroots initiative started by people from all over the world who want to make a real difference in the lives of children by helping them to recover from illness and injury in as short a time as possible. One of the projects we're currently working on is the Michael's Dream Box concept. And Michael's Dream Box is an insulated fabric lunchbox with handles and a utensil pockets and it is imprinted with the MDF logo. The boxes are filled with an assortment of toys, games, books and puzzles and learning tools specifically designed for children to receive them. We deliver Michael's Dream Boxes to sick children in hospitals, children who are suffering from long-term and life-threatening illnesses, and these Dream Boxes help them to smile and help them to get a real boost to their emotional health, and therefore get a real boost to their physical health.
currently we're raising funds to deliver Michael's Dream Boxes to six countries, um, Italy, Russia, Turkey, India, Australia and the USA. And we're asking our supporters to please give what they can to support this project and help us to make the delivery of these Dream Boxes possible. It costs just $20 to fill just one Michael's Dream Box with toys. That also includes the cost of delivering the box to a sick child. If you would like to support the Michael's Dream Box project and make a donation, please do visit us today at michaelsdreamfoundation.org. Thank you for listening. Hey, this is Really Really Brad Sundberg, studio engineer and technical director for Michael Jackson and host of In the Studio with MJ. You're listening to the MJ Cast. All right, there we go. I think it's time for Finds of the Week. Q, I think you've got one that looks pretty interesting. Finds of the Week, yes it is. We're going to have three this week because Jacob's brought one along to the table as well. So mine's actually, I'm going to read it out. It was a little thing that I read this week and when I was like trying to decide, oh, what am I going to pick for Finds of the Week? I don't know, this was just always in the back of my head and I thought, you know what, it's not going to be something flashy, like cool video or something. I'm just going to read this thing out. So it was a... Um, I found it on the Karen Moriarty Facebook page and it's a beautiful story by a Croatian refugee girl about Michael's profound impact on her life. And I'm just going to read it out. Hopefully I won't stuff it up with some of these names. They look difficult to pronounce. I'll do my best. So it was called um, Humanitarian Like a Boss and Annie was a Croatian refugee during the conflict in Bosnia in the 90s. Annie was isolated from her mother for three years in Sarajevo during the siege of the capital by the Serbs. During that time, she discovered the music of Michael Jackson after making friends with two United Nations officials who left her a stereo and two cassettes, Thriller and Bad. Here is her story, Forever in My Heart. In May 1992, my mother and I went to visit my grandmother in a town called Tuzla in Bosnia. I'm Croatian and I lived on an island called Kokula. But during the visit, war broke out. We tried to escape and were able to to Sarajevo but could not get out of there for three years. I was seven. My childhood was shattered. I had no one there my age. The sound of grenades and sirens became the norm. And after a while, I did not know any other reality. All that happened before was a blur like a dream. About six months into the war, the United Nations official who parked the car in front of the building I was staying began to speak. My mother had been teaching me English since age four, so I understand a lot. For a while, the only childhood friends I had were these officers from the Bronx and Queens in New York. One day, one of them was listening to music with the headphones and let me hear it. I loved it. I asked if I could hear a few more minutes to fall asleep. For the first time in months, I slept all night. In the morning, he had left a note saying, you can keep it. She still has this note. The headphones were still in my head and he'd left the tapes of Michael Jackson Bad and Thriller. 
The next two years, that were all of my music. At the time, I had no idea who Michael Jackson was, but I knew his music encouraged me and silenced all the noise outside. Until today, when I'm angry about something, music is my only relief, a security blanket. Usually, we received boxes of food. They were from the United Nations. But time to time, we received something labelled Heal the World. Whenever these boxes arrived, I knew it was not just wheat and rice. They always included blankets and toys, as well as food and medicine. I still have the blanket that I got from one of those boxes of survival. In 1995, we escaped to Germany. We were refugees. I quickly learned the language, but my mother took almost a year. She worked hard to give me a comfortable life. Every couple of months, I bought something about Michael Jackson or Power Rangers, another obsession of the time. For my birthday in 1997, I bought two tickets for his concert in Gelsenkirchen. My birthday was in January, and the torture of waiting so long was killing me, but it was worth it. When we went to see him, it was overwhelming and surreal. I was just one amongst a crowd who was inspired and influenced, I'm sure, but I felt like the only person there, and to this day, I see this experience as something strange, unreal in my life. As the concert ended, the hippie from my mother took me back to the back door where people expected to see Michael. He came out and the crowd went crazy. He signed the CD that my mother had. I was very shy and hid behind her, but he smiled and stroked my hair. My mother says he also said, hey, beautiful, but I did not hear anything. My family moved to Vancouver, Canada in 2000, and the possibility of seeing him in action was almost nil. But I truly appreciate each of the memories I have of him, and I feel blessed to have the opportunity to see him. I wish he had not gone so soon, but the best go first, I learned as a child. It hurts even to think about his death, but it almost seems natural to him for, for him to leave us. He was our Peter Pan, and I will miss him very much. Still, I cannot fathom a world without Michael Jackson in it, but he will live forever in my heart. So there you go. It's really very touching, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Especially now when, like, we know there's, like, so much violence happening in, in parts of the world where there's, like, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of people fleeing violence and um they are refugees now and these kids that are fleeing that's almost their experience they're not having any form of a life at the moment they're just struggling to survive yeah definitely there's so much and it's it's not about who started what or who did what like these are all just people and kids so we should be doing what we can for them really reminds me of the song we've had enough makes me think of that Yes, very much. Oh, wow. So, yeah, if you can do someone something to help someone, then just do it because, like, those little boxes that we're getting sent, um, which were donations and stuff from people, then you can see the impact that it had on this girl, and she was just one. So, And there's so many great charities out there doing doing work under Michael's name as well, isn't there? Like, obviously, Michael's Dream Charity and... Yes, yeah, for a great example, yep, and absolutely. The Children Hospital Charity and... Yep, and just, like, local charities and, like, animal shelters in your area as well. Like, so, 
yeah, if you can do something to help, then do it. So where do people go if they want to read that story again? Well, they can go to our page and it will be in our show notes because yeah, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it was on Facebook. You, you linked to it. It was on Facebook. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'll link it. Um, I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, awesome. Sounds great. Jacob, your find of the week. My find of the week. It's about a year old, but um, actually someone posted it to my Facebook page a couple of days ago and uh, thought it would be uh, fitting to play this, uh, well, to mention this in uh, the podcast. It's by a musician named Haywire, who um, looks like he does a lot of electronic sort of music, a lot of the keyboard uh, stuff with the pads and all that. And it's got sampled vocals from Smooth Criminal and it's got this nice catchy beat and yeah, I found myself bopping, bopping along to it um, quite a bit. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Awesome. I love a good remix. I look forward to hearing it. Let's have a listen to it now.
right, there we go. That's Haywire's cover of Smooth Criminal. We hope you enjoyed it as much as Jacob and we did. Okay, so my find of the week. I have a, I have one that's actually quite similar to Jacob's. It's another Smooth Criminal related uh, find of the week. So quite a coincidence that we both picked something Smooth Criminal related. Uh, but obviously Smooth Criminal is a song that came out on the Bad album and was a massive hit and uh, one of Michael's best songs, I think. And not only did Michael record the version that we hear on the Bad Album, but he recorded a number of alternate versions as well. Some of them have come out, some haven't. Uh, But one of the versions that have come out, I actually prefer to the song that's on the album. I know it sounds like sacrilege, but I actually really prefer what's called the Annie mix of the song. And this is a song that actually came out on, on a... A separate album that was released by Michael Jackson and Epic that not a lot of people know about. And it's actually called The The Bad Mixes. And it came out in 1989. It's a pro, It was a promo album. And as far as I know, there was only a limited release of this album. And right now, there's so few of them that actually exist that on the website discogs.com that I'm looking at right now, they're selling for an average amount of $700 each. Oh, So, yeah, they're very, very rare. What's on the cover? Do you know? Yeah, it's an image from uh, the first leg of the Bad Tour with the silver shirt that Michael wore uh, with the, I, I think it's the diagonal sort of black feature on the front. And he's crouching down facing away from the camera. Uh, on the on the ground on the floor of the stage that's what's on the front and it's it's a great great album now some of the songs on it are the same as what's on the the actual bad album so dirty diana man in the mirror uh and i think that's really it actually they're the, the original songs that are on the bad album are also on this one but it's got a number of alternate mixes of different songs so for example another part of me has an extended dance mix on there which goes for over six minutes the way you make me feel has an eight minute long version of the song which is incredible and then smooth criminal has like (laughs) four different versions on the um on the album and the one i like the most is called the annie mix and it's not necessarily longer than the version on the actual bad album but it's got a totally different uh, mix to it in terms of instrumentation the intro is completely different and the reason that i think you should listen to it is because of the bass in it the bass line so when you listen to the bass in the normal smooth criminal song it's actually uh, a synth bass i'm not sure if it's a moog or something like that but it's it's definitely a synthesized bass line but the any mix of the song smooth criminal has a real bass guitar doing the the smooth criminal bass and it is so so good so if you prefer more of an organic kind of sound to michael's music so stuff like off the wall and thriller and you would have liked a bit more of that on bad then you've got to check out the any mix of smooth criminal it's an awesome awesome song and i might play a little snippet of it now you've been hit by you've been struck by a smooth criminal
Okay, there we go. A bit of Smooth Criminal there, and more specifically, the Annie mix. Is that... Um, okay, this is a different album to the 12-inch mix album release? Yeah, the 12-inch mixes was actually Australian only, interestingly. So the reason we know about that is because it's in JB Hi-Fi and places like that. It only came out in Australia. So that's and, not a rare album. Uh, it is rare in terms of worldwide, but in Not- Australia, it's pretty common. But that okay. that also has some extended mixes, like "Want to Be Starting Something" on that one. So my twelve-inch mix bad. isn't worth seven hundred bucks. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Probably about seven bucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I don't know if I have heard this any mix unless it's anywhere else. Um, I don't think I have. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's lots of fun. And The Way You Make Me Feel is also really good. It's much, much longer than the album version. Why are remixes not like this anymore? I don't know. That's what I think should be on these re-releases like Bad 25 and Thriller 25. I don't necessarily want to hear like Skrillex do a version of whatever. I want to hear alternate versions from the studio that Michael himself created that never ended up on the on the studio albums. Yeah, and different arrangements of the song by the artist. Like, mm. um, one of the things I like in concerts is when the actual artist does their own stuff, but in a different arrangement. Like Kylie Minogue does incredible rearrangements of tracks during concerts, and it, they're always like amazing. And yeah, it would have been awesome if Michael could have done stuff like that as well, or just even done them as remixes. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more. Like Brad Sunderberg said when he was on the show, there's there's versions of songs that Michael did that go for ages, like minutes longer than what's on the album, but it pained Michael to have to cut them down to fit them on an 80-minute CD. But those versions are still out there of the long ones. Cool. That's a great find of the week. Thank you. Mm. All good. All right. We've got a few thank yous, I think. Yes, one big one straight up. Jacob, thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for having for me joining on the us. Pleasure. Thanks for my catchphrase. <laughs> it's all right. Anything to help the show. Oh, dude. 
Thanks. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us. Do you want to let people know where they can find you on the worldwide interwebs? Sure. Um, probably the easiest way is on Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is at Jacob Rathjen. So that's at J-A-C-O-B-R-A-T-H-J-E-N. Yeah, that's uh, if you want to ever contact me through uh, that, you are uh, more than welcome to do that. And then, you know, that spans off to anything like to my YouTube channel, uh, Facebook page and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, people should, you guys should really <laughs> definitely follow Jacob. He has some great updates. I follow him not only because he's he's got great Michael commentary, but awesome, awesome tech updates. Like anytime something happens in the tech world with Apple or any other company, bam, Jacob's got an article on it. It's awesome. <laughs> I like your vlogs. <laughs> they're good. They're good fun. I liked your, I liked your, uh, your travel stuff when you did your US trip early this year. That was cool. But yeah, thanks. It was fun having you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me once again. No worries. And also, um, we would like to send our thanks to Charles Thompson for his uh, his legal understanding of um, document that we had. Jamin, can you point people in the direction of where to uh, check out Charles' stuff? Yeah, sure. So you can find Charles Thompson online in a lot of different places, but basically his website is somewhere you want to check out first. And Charles Thompson's website is <laughs> just frantically Googling here. Um, <laughs> That's what so, I do every episode when you trip it over to me to, to say our details. Uh, I don't know. You should, you should check out his karaoke channel. That's amazing. What? Charles Thompson's <laughs> a karaoke channel? I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's twice you've got me in this episode, you know. You I'm me. trying to, like, learn you some humour. Oh. We, need, we need to brush up your humour. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Thompson, karaoke. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> if you want to find Charles Thompson online, definitely check out his website, which is Charles Thompson Journalist dot blogspot.com now charles's name is spelt uh charles obviously c-h-a-r-l-e-s and thompson has no p t-h-o-m-s-o-n journalist.blogspot.com and if you want to track him down on twitter you can find him at c-e thompson if you want to find him on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Charles hyphen Thompson. Again, thanks, Charles, for coming on the show and giving us great legal updates. Cool. So we are on Facebook at the uh, facebook.com slash the MJ cast. Twitter, we are found under the MJ cast. Instagram is also the MJ cast. Tumblr, we are themjcast.tumblr.com. We are on the YouTubes as plus the MJ cast. And I think that our naughty corner is about to end soon. <laughs> we got bl- we got banned on YouTube for a little bit. Um, not not really banned, but we, we, we they wouldn't let us upload anything longer than 10 minute videos for like a year because of some naughty behavior regarding uploading a Janet Jackson song that had come out, but not officially. And... Yeah, so we got in a bit of trouble, but we're coming back soon. Sorry. Yep, so 
hopefully we didn't lose any listeners from that, but <laughs> they, they can find us on the website, which is the mjcast.com, which is uh, the main portal for everything. If you need to find anything, head to the mjcast.com. That is where our show notes are. So anything that we've spoken about in the show, that's where you'll find it under each episode. You can also subscribe via that page or head over to iTunes and hit subscribe. We would love, 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 love if you would be able to rate and review the show. That helps the visibility of the show so that more people can see it, and we would really appreciate that. Um, and we love to hear from you. We never got any email after the Taj episode, surprisingly. We got a heap of comments on Facebook and a stack of comments on the website. So thank yes. you so much. We I've love got, getting emails though too. We do. I've got a list of people to thank from the website. Um, but our email is themjcast at icloud.com. Um, I read every single email, even the spam that comes. <laughs> so I do read every email, every comment, um, everything that comes through. I do read. So I appreciate that. I try and reply to as many people as I can. But um, yes, we do love hearing from you. So hit us up on the emails. But yeah, my thank yous, I wanted to thank um, artist Ray Day. Um, check out her amazing MJR over on Facebook. We will pop that link in the show notes. Um, but thank you very much. I love your your art. It's incredible. Um, over on YouTube, wanted to thank Florette Thomas and then I also wanted to thank Danny from the Michael Jackson Digest.tumblr.com. Shout out to Danny. Hey there. And over at, yeah, like Jamie mentioned, over at the MJCast.com, we received so many wonderful comments um, from episode 20, our incredible interview with um, Taj Jackson. So 12 comments was, I think, probably a record for after a show. Yeah. I think so. so. Yeah, that's probably why we didn't get any emails because everyone was sending <laughs> awesome comments. So thanks so much to everyone. And um, thank you and hello to Shamika from Hartford. I think that's in Connecticut. Um, to Jana, to Lisa Dawn in Santa Rosa, California. Katie, Eva Maria, Denise Purcell, Terry Brim, San Antonio, Texas. Hello. Uh, Diana J, Tana Ray J, and Sky Lady Sarah. Hello. So thank you, everyone. That was awesome to hear from you. We're so glad that you enjoyed the show. Really appreciate you letting us know. And my last thank you actually is um, over on Instagram, um, Ali underscore MJ follower. Hello. Over in Iran, 36-year-old guy, been a fan since the age of 10 and loves the show. And um, I think that's so awesome that fans are listening literally from every corner of the earth. I think that's so cool and it blows my mind. Like, why are you listening to me jibber jabber on <laughs> really? But I really appreciate it. And I hope that you enjoy this episode and tune in again, please. It's great having you listen and yeah, it's fun. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's a bit of a wrap. Yeah. God, this is a long show. Yeah. I think it might be the longest one we've done. You got your money's worth today, kids. <laughs> <laughs> again jacob thank you so much for joining us on the mj cast we loved having you on no worries thank you again oh good how, how are you going to say goodbye jacob because i've got the catchphrase you invented oh yeah <laughs> well i didn't think about this <laughs> no we didn't we put you on the spot <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for joining us anyway i'm gonna say thank you i'm gonna go just check my perm 
And um, <laughs> we'll catch you again next time on the MJ Cast. So stay tuned and Michael on. Keep Michaeling. Jacob. J- Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> Michael on forever. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. See ya. That's a wrap. <laughs>